I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. One is Mark and John's the other. They're just friends. They are not lovers. It's... Two old queens, it's two old queens, they're just sassy, not that mean. Two old queens, it's two old queens. Now shut up. Hello. Welcome to Two Old Queens. I'm John Flynn. I'm Mark Rennie. Mark, I am so delighted about our guest this week. Please let everyone know who's joining us. (laughs) They're a comedian and illustrator and author of the books Mad Men, The Illustrated World, and Hipster Animals, A Field Guide. It's Dynamo. Yay. That's me. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Thank you for having me as a guest on your program. Thank you for being being on on the program. On the program. It's the program. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Isn't pogrom, isn't that like some sort of like communist Uh, thing? Um, that's a thing where you go and kill Jews, which I hope this is not. That's this right. It's not no, what no, this no. podcast is about. Dinah, I noticed your work has a lot of mid-century modern. Would you say that's a big influence, mid-century modernism? Yeah, I mean, it's always been the the basis of my style, especially because of the eight years I worked for the show Mad Men, which mm. strongly encouraged a mid-century look. But you know, my other work that's for. Um, other clients tends to veer all over the place in historical influence. I just finished like a long deep dive into 90s style, uh, which is oh, atro- it's atrocious, uh, but, you know. <laughs> but it's in vogue. It was, what like it, defines a 90s style? I feel like I always think of like you wouldn't pirate like that kind of font. You know what I mean? Well, it's the first uh, the first time art directors got their hands on digital type. Mm. And so you see a lot of squashed and stretched like it, it's atrocious, basically. <laughs> it's a combination of um, end of the millennium uh, futurism combined with um, enthusiastic squashing and stretching of typefaces that weren't meant to be. So, yeah, it's it's awful. Uh, but, yeah, I'm known more for the mid-century modern stuff. Was there a thing that was like a, your initial, like, ooh, like like your gateway drug, essentially? For for illustration or for drugs? Which uh, <laughs> Either. <laughs> Well, I draw exclusively in a program uh, called Adobe Illustrator, which is a vector software. And uh, it's I, very and, difficult. Um, it's very unnatural, um, yeah. but it's the way I've always drawn, and it lends itself 
to very flat shapes, which now has sort of morphed into sort of uh, corporate cozy clip art where like nothing's ever shaded. It's just sort of blob people who are bright colors and flat, um, which is sort of the, the, um, the evolution of the mid-century style. So basically the, the medium influenced the message, but I've always been a backwards looking person for influence. It's very hard to talk about graphic design in an audio format. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Which is like one of the reasons. Dancing about architecture. <laughs> uh, it, so, and I also worked on a movie called Dancing About Architecture uh, oh, with Ryan, wow. Ryan Filippi in 1998. But, it, but, there's a reason why I don't do a ton of podcasts is illustration is very boring to talk about. I see. If you can't see. We'll move on. <laughs> so your yeah. gateway to drugs then. How about that? Yeah. Actual your, drugs. Uh, Favorite drug uh, as a child. Uh, uh, head injuries. Oh. <laughs> nice. Uh, now you're here. We're doing a month of uh, movies that have been nominated or won Best Supporting Actress Oscars. Are you an Oscar buff fan? Not Specifically, I mean, I don't watch award shows that I don't think I'm going to win anything in. I don't see the point. Um, so I don't, I mean, it, in terms of trivia, it's good. You know, I'm always impressed when someone can rattle off every every uh, Best Picture winner by year and that sort of thing. But, you know, I'm easily amused. But in terms of like, awards are too loaded to really serve right. as any kind of measure of a movie, especially 80 years later. So. Right, sure. um, I'm glad that these lists exist as a thing to look back on, but awards themselves do not do much for me. But you do, but you are like, I think of you as someone who like loves movies and like has a very like encyclopedic knowledge of film. Yeah. I mean, I sort of have the uh, movie taste of an elderly gay man. So, yeah. you know, You're any in the movie. Right, I, you're in the right place. Uh, no, like, like your grandfather's. Like, ah. I, I, I stopped watching movies after 1998. I said, like, I'm done. And well, I'm, once you've I, seen The Phantom Menace, I mean. Right, right. You, well, you had worked on one with Ryan Felipe, and then you're like, the yeah, movies so, peaked. I yeah. said, you're never going to top this. Uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, like, I was talking about this with another person that I'm I'm one of the like sort of raised by VHS type of generation mm -hmm. where Turner Classic Movies started when I was uh, in junior high and mm -hmm. AMC at the time was still trying to be Turner Classic Movies and I rented a zillion VHS tapes and like did tape trading through the mail for rare movies so if it's sort of weird and old um it's in my wheelhouse but I sort of lost track of movies in the last uh, 20 or 30 years so i don't see anything anymore what was the last um, one you saw in a theater you know i'd be really hard pressed to say i i can't even remember it might have been anna karenina but because my parents wanted to go see it and that was i think 12 years ago okay um so yeah i after leaving, I mean, in New York, I went to the movies all the time, but I, I had a film forum membership where you could see any weekday movie for $2. And the stuff they showed during the week was the really weird, terrible stuff. So I would go to those every day of the week because I don't work in general. <laughs> sure. um, and I would go to see really weird movies that had never come out on DVD or VHS and were just strange. That's and also to see elderly New Yorkers get into arguments in the theater. Oh, really? Um, so you basically, that was the real it was, show. It was sort of a dinner and a show type thing where you get to see a terrible 1950s British-made movie about dump truck racing, and then a 90-year-old man would flip out because he thought someone might have looked at their phone. And, and I saw amazing fights there. But I left New York in um, 2017, and I haven't been back, so I haven't found the L.A. equivalent. I mean, I see plenty of insane 
old people in LA, but not sure. LA. There's no movie. There's no movie to go. That's just like at the CVS or something, yeah. or, you know, or in my apartment. It's just like they're here. <laughs> just wander yeah. through. They just, I wake up and they're in my room looking at me. I don't know how they get in. Right. I know uh, like LACMA has like a film series, but I don't think it's like a $2. Th- you know what I mean? I think that right. was probably the, how you get the crazy old people is like making well, it dirt cheap. Yeah. I mean, like there's always been like every city, hopefully, has like a prestige revival house where they go, yeah. oh, we've got a new print of Colossus, the Forbin project or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when I was uh, briefly living in Seattle, they did have a vintage computer museum that showed vintage computer movies so i would see very bizarre like desk desk set or you know movies in which vintage computers played a major role but you know it was full of cowed elderly nerds not angry new yorkers so there were no good fights i'm sure there were flame wars on usenet afterwards but there's no fights in the screening (laughs) yeah yeah i can't i want to smell the blood yeah Um, (laughs) but but like you need a uh a community like New York where there's enough, there is so much prestige um, retro film screening that you have room to have terrible retro film screening. So right. they're not, there's these a are, yet there's a, it's not just great movies getting new prints. It's, oh, we found a print of this bizarre movie where a Scottish, Scottish village sentences people to death by tying bread to their head, throwing them in the ocean and waiting for seagulls to peck them to death, <laughs> which is a real movie. <laughs> What's that called? I wish I could remember because I would own it. Yeah. <laughs> and you said this was a Scottish film? It was it's, it was set in a Scottish whiskey smuggling island, but several people were were doomed to death by being pecked to death by seagulls with bread tied to their head. I guess okay. there does there's a certain artistry to that. I mean, anyone could like just push someone off a cliff. Sure. Well, it's all you know, you want something that's going to stay with the viewer. And, yeah. <laughs> you want them to really suffer while they die. You don't and, there may, and there may be an allegorical read to this that we're not privileged to because it's not 1950 and we're not Scottish. So yeah, there's some, you know, like, there's always layers. <laughs> myth we don't we don't remember. Well, hopefully some of our listeners are were Scottish in the 1950s and can tell us. <laughs> I mean, you could find an old film forum schedule and just go backwards and like circle it because I'm I'm gonna hope they put a picture of someone being pecked to death in <laughs> in the schedule to let you know this is the movie. Or if they're having a pecking festival or something. A peck and paw. A peck and paw. There you go. Sam peck and paw. There we go. <laughs> People both pecked to death and pawed to death. Well, you know, speaking of being pawed, <laughs> today <Okay>. we're talking <laughs> about the Philadelphia story. John, what's the deal with the Philadelphia story? Mark, let me tell you the deal with the Philadelphia story. It was directed by George Cooker with a screenplay by Donald Ogden Stewart based on the Broadway play of the same name by Philip Barry. And when a rich woman's ex-husband and a tabloid-type reporter turn up just before her planned remarriage, she begins to learn the truth about herself. It stars Cary Grant, Katherine Hepburn, James Stewart, and Ruth Hussey. It premiered December 5th, 1940, and made $3.3 million off a budget of $914,000. And Bosley Crowther of the New York Times wrote that the film had just about everything that a blue-chip comedy should have. A witty romantic script, the flavor of high-society elegance in which the patrons invariable luxuriate, and a splendid cast of performers. Metro and director George Cooker have graciously made it apparent in the words of a character that one of the prettiest sights in this pretty world is the privileged classes enjoying their privilege. 
It was nominated for six Academy Awards, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Screenplay, Best Actor for James Stewart, Best Actress for Katherine Hepburn, and Best Supporting Actress for Ruth Hussey. It won for Best Screenplay and Best Actor. And the film was adapted in 1956 as a musical called High Society, which starred Bing Crosby, Grace Kelly, Frank Sinatra, Celeste Holm, and Louis Armstrong. Or Louis Armstrong. And that is the deal with the Philadelphia story. So, Diana, we asked you to pick a movie. You chose the Philadelphia story. Why the Philadelphia story? Okay. So, I had the whole list of, of every best supporting actress up on the Wikipedia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my first thought was uh, I got to get a Thelma Ritter in here because she's been nominated uh, six times. Excuse me. Yeah. So Thelma Ritter's been nominated six times more than anybody, but not the most wins. But uh, her best movie, All About Eve, had already been uh, done by one of your earlier guests, obviously. And I didn't want to talk about her other movies. So (laughs) I went down the list and, um, you know, I think this one, this movie is is a classic and everybody loves it. And I weirdly really loved it as a kid uh, on Turner Classic Movies and on VHS tapes. And my dad loves it. And it seemed like something worth exploring because it is a love triangle. It's a heterosexual romance. It's the bridge between the screwball comedy and the romantic comedy. Like this is the, this is the break or actually the war is the break, but this is a transitional movie. And because it is a movie about heterosexual romance, it's be interesting to dig for a gay read on it because it has a gay director. And I've read an awful lot of academic studies about a feminist read on this movie, but not mm. so many on a, on a gay read on it. So I thought it would be interesting to discuss. So how many, you've seen it, sounds like, have you ever seen it uh, in a theater full of fighting elderly people? <laughs> uh, no, because this would, this would be like a good movie and I'd have to pay $10 to see it. They I see. Show, they wouldn't <laughs> show it on a Tuesday. This would They'd be, be well behaved. This would be right? a weekend one or they'd show it at like, you know, a, a nicer, you know, type screening. I, I go to the real shit shows. Got it. That sounds great. Is there one movie, like a strange movie, that you think everyone should see that nobody knows about? Like, if you had to pick one. That that nobody knows about is kind of tricky um, because, (laughs) and also my recommendations are always tinged with hatred. Like, it's sort of like a, um, this is so awful, I can't believe it, you have to see it type of thing. Sure. Which is a a stripe of film fandom and a particularly Gen X-y one. Yeah. So I once told, I used to teach a movie-themed improv class in New York, and at one point I discussed the, the, the movie made of the Evelyn Waugh short novel, The Loved One, and I wanted to great detail oh. about how this is such a terrible movie. And then I found out one of my students paid $30 to go see it at a <laughs> revival house. It was actually being shown at BAM. And then he came back and he goes, you know, that movie was really bad. I was like, were you not listening? And he's like, you went to such detail. I have to assume that it was worth seeing. I was like, no, it's terrible. And I listed all the ways it was terrible. I had but a film teacher who loved the 1965 version. Yeah, it's, I had a film teacher who was always trying to get us to watch it. It is the book is amazing. The movie is so misguided. It's like fascinatingly bad, That's but fun. not thirty dollars for a BAM ticket bad. It's no. like it makes me makes no, you angry because the book is is sort of this perfect capsule of like bitter, bitter British queen in LA just bitching about Americans and like basically shoveling all his grievances into a very thin plot. And then the movie was like a bunch of guys who saw Dr. Strangelove and go, yeah, we can do that. And like, didn't understand it. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just, it's such a misfire. And, and that makes it interesting. But in terms of a terrible movie that not enough people are terrible slash amazing movie that not enough people know about, 
I got to say, Lord, love a duck. Um, oh. <laughs> and yet all, okay. all the people, the, the handful of people whose taste I respect, my fellow improv performers back in the day, I, I finally found it on DVD. And I very like graciously loved it. It was like, this movie is amazing. You know, it's this unsung classic. And both of them like returned. It's like, I got you 10 minutes and I couldn't get through it. <laughs> and I was like, I don't respect you anymore. Well, it's available on Amazon oh, no. Prime and Paramount Plus. Right. Well, this is 20 years ago. But sure. I even bought the soundtrack on <laughs> on, uh, on eBay, on the original LP, and it's just one song over and over and over again. It's not a very musical movie. <laughs> oh, no. But the, the kernel recommendation is basically it's where Heather stole their plot from. Oh, okay. It's the same plot as Heather's, only made- With the duck. Made No, made in the early 60s with a weird daughter does erotic performance for her absentee dad who's clearly aroused by it scene. And I watched it in a high school class for the first time. And as soon as the erotic sweater, it's the sw notorious sweater scene started, all of the teenage boys in the class goes, can we watch that scene again? <laughs> the Lord love a duck. <laughs> Not oh. nominated for a Best Supporting Actress Oscar, unfortunately. <laughs> not, not even released, I think, very widely <laughs> okay. at the time. Uh, but we're not talking about that. We're we talking are. About the we're talking about the Philadelphia story, which it was nominated yeah. for Best Supporting Actress alongside, let me go, Judith Anderson for Rebecca as Miss Danvers. Hello. Ruth Hussey, mm -hmm. Philadelphia story. Barbara O'Neill right. and All This in Heaven too. Marjorie Rambeau, Primrose Path. And the winner went to Jane Darnell in The Grapes of Wrath as Ma Jode. I mean, it's hard to top Ma Jode. Right. Yeah, it was the mood of the country at the time. They yeah. they didn't want to celebrate <laughs> the comedy of remarriage among the elite, wealthy mainline Philadelphians. They wanted to give it to Ma Jode. Yeah. <laughs> Although Jimmy Stewart did win for Best Actor. He did, but he claims that it was people feeling bad that he didn't get it the previous year did, for yeah. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. So it's still a social justice win. It's nice, uh, to, it's true. It's nice to know that the uh, Academy Awards have always been corrupt. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but they uh, corrupt away from the prying public eye. That's right. <laughs> uh what about what about you, John? You seen a uh, first time watching Philadelphia story? No, I had seen it a couple times before, mainly because many years ago I did. So as I said, they made a musical version of this, a movie version of it. And then in the 90s, they made a stage version of that musical, which I did the summer of 2000 in Summer Stock. John, so, of the course. Lead. Was I really? I was, you know, I was just one of the singing, dancing uh, butlers Queens. at the at the mansion. No, were they? No, no you we were one all of the gay. macho singing, dancing. I was Queens. one of the macho singing, dancing butlers, <laughs> bringing in huge racks of beef <laughs> or something. Here's your keg mm -hmm. of beer. You know, I, yeah. I was actually one. I I had a dim memory that they had put high society on on stage and I couldn't find any information about it. So I thought I had they did. It's it. not a very good show, but it was no fault uh, of it your did, own, John. Don't be too I hard on yourself. I didn't write. I was not in the, I was not on the creative team, okay. uh, but it was uh, the Broadway premiere of a young Anna Kendrick. So we have high society. Wow. The stage Everyone's favorite actress. She never would have booked anything if she hadn't done we, High Society as a young child. Imagine we were robbed was, of the Pitch Perfect trilogy. That's true. Um, what, so what do you, wait, hold on. I want to know more about the show. Yes, of the show. So what do you do? You're just singing and dancing? <laughs> yeah, there were four the butlers. That we, I mean, it's Cole Porter's songs. It's not top shelf Cole Porter. You know, it's hard when all the good stuff has been taken. It's like a greatest hits volume two K. kind of situation. Volume three. Oh, we're going deep. Okay, <laughs> we're we're really scratching the battle, the bottom of the barrel. I mean, there's some good stuff there, but it's not great. There's no, and also like there was, 
it was that it was a case of like I think there was like maybe five or six songs written in the in the movie musical version of it, and then for the stage, they're like, well, what are some other Cole Porter songs that aren't in on one of his more successful shows that we could add to this show? I mean, not that I I should be asked, but I find uh-huh. High Society a very stupid movie, and <laughs> I tried to rewatch it for this, and I got only like twenty minutes in. It's like so weird because it's a good what fifteen years later than the Philadelphia Story, and it's infinitely yeah. more square. It is like the squarest yeah. movie. Oh wow! <laughs> um, it's just yeah. like really flat. I mean, it's also just like. If you have an aversion to Bing Crosby, it's a lot of Bing Crosby. Yeah. And him talking about how cool he is that he's a pop star and a jazz man and to, <laughs> to Satchmo, who's sitting across from. Yeah. Oh, like, no. There, there is a lot. So this is the first La La Land, essentially. Uh, basically. Basically, all of Hollywood from like 1951 to 1965 was La La Land. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad. Now that you but, mentioned, like, I don't know if I've ever, like, like, I enjoy Meli Kalikimaka. Don't get me wrong. But I don't know if I'm ever, sure. like, happy to see Bing Crosby in a movie. Or Bing, well, Bing Crosby, David Bowie Christmas video, I think, is yeah, the one most that's people That's probably the best thing he's done. <laughs> that's been put the most interesting. That's the most enduring thing. As yes. much as, like, creaky, awkward, old things, like, Bob and Bing is not my genre. Those are, those are a bit much. Sure. So, so the romantic triangle between Grace Kelly, very beautiful, not very interesting. A young Sinatra and uh, uh, Bing Crosby, I don't have a dog in this fight. I'm checking out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm getting back on the bus with Satchmo and his musicians who just popped in to give us the opening number. Like, it's, I'm out of this mm-hmm. movie. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, yeah, so Philadelphia Story, I think, is great. I mean, it's it's so, the it's a perfect like romantic comedy like it just breezes along it's very smart it's sort of i don't know i think it's great you know it's sort of like what the desperate housewives wishes their life was like how about you mark what do you think about the philadelphia story uh yeah i mean what can you say about it it's great you know it's just like it's not like <laughs> i don't have a hot take on the philadelphia so, story so you've seen it many times i'm assuming i've seen before it before this. i think this is maybe like the third time i've probably right. seen it i did just mm-hmm. watch the palm beach story for the first time though if we're talking about pea cities and stories yeah, sure. Same year. I mean, I mean, I would love to talk about Bobby's story, but it was not on the list. It was um, not on the list. That movie is kooky in the best possible. Who's way. in that one? Well, it's a, it's seriously screwball and it's very screwball. It's so it's it has no illusions of being a realistic romance. There is a no. we, a weenie king who shows up as a Deus Ex Machina, which is an extremely withered elderly man wearing thick glasses is who is the weenie, the weenie king who sort of sets the plot in motion. I mean, it's <laughs> it's bizarro. And there's lots of subtle, extremely camp things about it mm-hmm. that you only pick out once you've been had them pointed out to you that when the, um, I think it's the millionaire's sister is introduced is to complicate the love triangle further. It's a thing about there's a girl and she leaves this one guy for this other guy and all they go to Palm Beach where the millionaires are. But his sister is introduced to complicate the plot and every scene she's in, her eyeline is at the crotch of whatever man she's in a scene with. And <laughs> sounds like it, John. Exactly. So like I said, my part. Lots of lots of if you if you were wearing an Esther Williams swimsuit and a swim cap, you could have played her. <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, I'm always looking for an excuse to put one on. Yeah, it's, summer, it's summer stuck. <laughs> well, as you may or may not know, Dinah, we are looking for the gayest movies ever. So we have a complex and Byzantine scoring system with which to judge them. So we're gonna go through a ton of categories. And at one point you are going to come up with a category and it will be added to the wheel. Fun. Did that make sense? If not, don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> and edit out my response. 
We will edit all your responses out. <laughs> this is our current top five gayest movies ever. Fifth place with a 90.37% Madonna, Truth or Dare. In fourth place with a 92.20% Showgirls. In third place with a 92.99% The Bride of Frankenstein. In second place with a 93.21% Hedwig and the Angry Inch. And number one with a 94.83% is Female Trouble. Yeah, I'm glad you at least have one John Waters hanging in there. Yeah. It's the only one someone's brought in so far. Well, it wasn't nominated for any Best Supporting Actresses, so I didn't have that option. Um, So, Diana, if you had to guess now, how well do you think Philadelphia's story is going to do? Well, I know I'm doing an uphill battle here because it's a a hetero romance Mm -hmm. that has, on the surface, almost no gay content other than the director. So I'm thinking less than halfway, maybe even bottom third. Well, I will say, maybe All About Eve will... I don't, this is like the next oldest movie we've done, I oh, think. Really? <laughs> or except, no, probably Bride of Frankenstein is older. But, Frank- um, um, probably older All yeah. About Eve got a, is 78.51%. That's at 20. Uh, but in but all, of, all About Eve is probably one of the gayest yeah. movies ever made. Yeah, yeah. Not by your scoring <laughs> system, but. No, no, no. Well, it's an older version of it. So, you know, maybe if we redid it. Um, no, I don't. We only did All About Eve like a year ago. Okay. The, the movie itself is is one of the older ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Made, yeah. Um, but like you know, you haven't done Sweet Smell of Success or or it happened. Uh, no. What is it? Suddenly one summer, suddenly last summer. Like there's a oh, lot. Oh, of those summer. Tennessee Williams ones. There are a lot yeah. of gay old movies. They're just people are bringing them in. But people this, are bringing them. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you did. So let's get into it. So the first group of categories are the canon categories. So for these, we're each going to give it a score between zero and 100. Then we'll take the average of all three of our scores. So, Dinah, what would you give the Philadelphia story on a scale of zero to 100 in actual gay characters? Is there anyone actually gay in this movie? So we're looking at things that are canonically on screen. Or yeah. if you could infer. I mean, ideally, coded, but if you could fine. infer. Like, it. I think Mr. Kidd. The spy magazine publisher. Yeah, that's what I thought. Sydney Kidd. I was like, this yeah. one. He does He's have famous. a certain, um, you know, Nathan Thurm. He was the yeah. Perez Hilton <laughs> yeah. of his day. Yeah. Or, or, or um, oh, who was uh, the guy Angels in America was about? Roy Cohn. Roy Cohn. Yeah, he's sort of a Roy Cohn. Yeah. Yeah. But I was going to make the case that there are at least two characters that, and I haven't seen the stage play or read the stage play script, that as written, could be taken to be gay characters, and yet there was over-the-top performances of their heterosexuality to assure you they were not gay. But I don't think that gotcha. qualifies for this this category. Like Uncle Willie? Is that yeah, who I, think, I thought Uncle Willie, until he started aggressively hitting on that poor photographer. Exactly. And it was so performative, which makes me think, it's yeah. like, you're, I'm the, I'm the yeah. elderly bachelor <laughs> uncle. I better do something toxically masculine to this woman yeah. so people don't think uh-huh. I'm a comedy relief gay character. Don't and worry, then, he's not gay. He's just uh, exactly. a sex criminal? Lecherous? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the reason why he can't hold a wife is not because he's gay. It's because he's an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> but I think also the character of Liz, particularly as it was performed in this movie, seems like a classic old Hollywood stock lesbian to me. You know, she works mm-hmm. in media. She's not mm-hmm. married, even though she's over thirty. She's got a job. Like I mean, like that's sort of you know going down the list. And how she was played was less. I'm I'm my own woman. More like I'm extremely depressed and I can't get out of this job, yeah. which makes it a little less <laughs> lesbian. And I but wish also, Jimmy Stewart would just fall in love with me already. 
But even like, I don't even think she wanted that. She was just like, I guess I'm resigned to being in this. The only man I know. (laughs) Basically, yeah. That's what it feels like. It's like, I've run out of every other man. Yeah. I guess the person I happen to work with will do. You know, I'm willing to be his, you know, get in a lavender marriage with him. But like, they made, I mean... I'm sure we'll talk more about Liz as this goes on, as she is the the best actress character, but she's a bummer, man. And her, her, her tangent angle on this love triangle is one of the saddest things ever. But when you look at the same role in the, um, in high society and the, in the musical one, she's much more of a brassy lesbian, um, sort of a joyless one, but she's definitely more like, I'm a career gal and I'm snacky. Whereas Liz was like, oh, I'm going to kill myself as soon as the camera turns off. So I'm going to give this 20 points for the 20. idea to the out of 100 that both Uncle Willie and Liz, given you know, strip away the, the the burden they are carrying could very clearly have been gay characters. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. I'll go 22. 22. I'll go 19. Why not? Given an average of 20.33, <laughs> which is 13.33 points higher than Tootsie. All right. Okay. All right, our next category, gay icons. How are we doing on gay icons? We got Catherine Hepburn. Yeah, Catherine Hepburn. that's the thing, though, is... When you think of old movie queens that not necessarily this generate this generation's gay culture, but maybe like 20 years ago or 30 years ago, gay culture. And there was a lot more like, oh, old Hollywood glamour. Catherine Hepburn didn't seem to be in that list of, of faces the way that, you know, a Garbo or or even like, a I don't know, Jade Wyman. Like she seems to be sort mm-hmm. of too too butch for the uh, the gay silver screen fandom. Am I misreading that? I mean, we are talking. No, I think you're right. There's something about her that it is. She's she's so no not like she literally is like I'm going to wear pants. But I could I see want someone doing care. her uh, like snatch game for sure. Absolutely. You know? Well, if if any of the contestants like saw a movie that was more than ten years old or cracked a book, which right, yeah, is they not might just <laughs> watch the <laughs> Aviator and base it all on that. Sure. Kate Blanchett's sure. Kate. And yeah, so like a, a copy of a copy, maybe. Yeah. But you know, Catherine Hepburn's such an odd person because she kept working into her eighties. So for a certain, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of us when we think Catherine Hepburn is not the silver screen classic Catherine right. Hepburn, but like her daughtering and palsied and writing Catherine Hepburn's Me and selling it at Costco, like not a very yeah. glamorous <laughs> version of her. I thought that was glamorous. Costco. <laughs> at the time, it was hard to book Costco yeah. for a book signing. I, I feel. <laughs> sort of mixed about her because I think of all people who are like, oh, I'm such a Marilyn Monroe, I'm such an Audrey Hepburn. I've always felt more affinity for Catherine Hepburn than any other sort of glamorous old movie queen because she is sort of a bitch and sort of doesn't doesn't <laughs> like care about what you think about her. Even yeah. though this was the movie that was supposed to make you realize that she's soft and vulnerable and womanly and tender. I'm like, no, go back to her like, you know, bitching people out and wearing pants. That's what I'm into. <laughs> well, we also have George Cukor himself. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, he was famous for being the director of, quote, women's pictures. And you want to talk about a, a, a very gay old Hollywood movie. Watch The Women. Boy, that I movie is I love The Women. The Women's Very, great. very gay. The fashion um, show for no reason. <laughs> right. Just a 10-minute fashion show. In color. Because... Right. Uh, you know, he was a great friend of Catherine Hepburn and uh, liked working with her. And, you know, so he had a unique perspective on 
you know, movies about straight women, where I think, again, like a much earlier generation of gay culture was seeing yourself in the leading lady, yeah. which may have been what he was bringing to it. That said, from a feminist perspective, or even from just a woman's perspective, this movie has some really bad lessons in it. But we'll get into that later. <laughs> well, <laughs> so you got to get married. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've got to forget, forgive that your husband is going to cheat on you. That's what he does. <laughs> yeah. And he's an alcoholic. Why don't you drink more? I mean, like, there's a lot of pretty shitty messages about heterosexual relationships here, which the director was like, yeah, that works. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, good for him. I'm a yeah, boy. I mean, this is basically Gone Girl. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it. It's too recent. Oh, it's an indictment of uh, marriage, straight marriage. I think every movie is an indictment of marriage, and I think most marriages are an indictment of marriage, but <laughs> that's outside the remit of this podcast. Sure. <laughs> but as an actual gay icon, I don't know, how, do they, how does gay culture feel about Cary Grant? Because he, at the time, was right, known for true. being bisexual. Right, right, he's another one. Both bisexual and an enjoyer of LSD in his later years. I don't think Jimmy Stewart is on anybody's No, um, I don't list. think so. So is Catherine Hepburn a gay icon? I have to say probably not at the moment. I mean, I think she I mean, I think overall she is. I think I understand that like she's not like an icon of the day. Yeah, maybe but she yeah. cut a record she of is, jazz standards or something. She, <laughs> Had she done that, that she, she's sort of. I mean, but if we're including gay culture to include lesbian culture, you know, she also exactly. had had so. lesbian dalliances uh, rumored or mm -hmm. actual. So between Cary Grant and and whether or not Catherine Hepburn will say she's B team gay icon, uh, I'll give this a, 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 a out of a hundred. Let's give it a forty-five. Forty-five. I think, and also, I believe Catherine Hepburn has the most uh, Academy Awards for Best Actress. Does that help? More than Anna Kendrick? More than Anna Kendrick. I don't think Anna Kendrick has won any. Wow. I don't know if she's been nominated. Yeah, she has the most wins. She doesn't have the most nominations. Meryl Streep has the most, but Catherine Hepburn has four uh, Oscars for Best Actress. And does that help with the, with making her a gay icon? I think so. I think, I think so. Just the, the awardsness of it, like yeah. just the trivia fact of her. I will say I th I'm going to give it a bunch more for Catherine Hepburn. Again, like George Cougar, like his his resume is pretty good. He's got Wizard of Oz. He worked on a lot um, before he was reassigned. Uh, Gone with the uh, I'm reassigned from Gone with the Wind because <laughs> yikes. Do you want to do you want to get into this? I've <laughs> I've heard a little bit about it, but yes. Okay, uh, are we saying it's Cougar or Zucker? Do we know? Oh, I don't know. I don't know either. Well, the, the, the elderly gays will let us know. But anyway, the director, aside from being known for, for women's pictures, was assigned, and this is a studio system, so they get assigned to different movies. So he was assigned to Gone with the Wind, and he worked a lot with the actresses. And, and like basically his process, uncharacteristic for the 40s, was like lots of prep, lots of rehearsal, mm -hmm. lots of discussing the characters. And uh, good old Rhett Butler had him canned. Um, and he said, and why he was he was fired was there's there was that either he was a homophobe, um, um, the actor in question who played Red Butler, but Clark, Clark, Clark Gable. So Clark, Clark Gable. So either Clark Gable had him fired because he was a homophobe and didn't want to be around a gay dude, but there's a secondary theory that oh. Clark Gable used to be a rent boy when he was oh. first starting out, and George Cooker was one of his clients, and he didn't oh. want. Cooker to have that over him and didn't want that to leak out. So he thought getting rid of Cooker would protect his rent boy past from, from coming out huh. in the gossip bags. 
So that's the, that's the idea. Well, Clark Abel must be spinning in his grave. That would be discussed right on two old queens right now. He's spinning in his grave, and what's in his <laughs> mouth while he's spinning is the big question. I've <laughs> heard. I've always heard that he had like chronic halitosis. Well, oh, you suck that wow. money. You suck that money. Suck dicks, that many so you you yes. can never get it out of your mouth. Hmm. Who would want to? <laughs> so what do you want to give it, John? I will give it an 80 for gay icon. 80! Zing! Yeah. I think the combination of all those things. Yeah. And I think Catherine Hepburn, like, you got to give her some some status. I mean, I, I hope you're right. I'd like to see more Catherine Hepburn <laughs> in, the, in the drag world. Sure. As... Right. Martin Short was really the only one who was doing her for a but, while. But he did the elderly version, the, you know, the, co- well, the sure. Costco one who was all palsied yeah. and on Golden Pond. <laughs> the, on Golden Pond, yeah. yeah. Where's the African queen, Catherine Hepburn? You got Kate Mulgrew to play that one. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I'll give it. I'll give it eighty-two. Whoa, both of you guys okay. off the off the chain here. Give it an average of <laughs> this is disgusting sixty-nine. It's because of gross. Wow, nice. which is that's <laughs> nice. two point thirty-three points higher than Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. Oof. So pretty good. All right, okay. the next one: the queer gays. Now here we go. How much can you tell? Like, oh, this got George Cukor is a real uh, gay guy, lighting the loafers. Yeah, like providing us with queer imagery. Yeah, Uncle Willie all the way. He's called Uncle, Uncle Willie. Willie. <laughs> it's a His metaphor. Character's name is Uncle Willie. What in the shows? Well, we talked a little bit in our previous question about how that generation's uh, gay audience person, man in this situation, would see themselves in the leading lady, so the whole thing might be metaphorical. But I don't know, man. It's hard to get into that headspace. Yeah, so especially I don't, in like this, yeah. this, an older movie, it's a lot tougher. Yeah, just because you, um, you can't know the, the, the signals and the, and right. the subtext. Right. But just by having a central female character who's so assertive and so masculine might be part of the reads you can put on it. And every guy wants sure. her. True. True. Mm-hmm. I mean, why, Which, who can't relate to that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but also, uh, there's a certain egomaniacalness ego to it. Like, no woman in the movie matters except her and Dinah, her little sister. Yeah. But, but yeah, she, so almost no other character has any significance. She's just like orbited around by everyone, you know, which is exactly the point. Is she didn't want to be that. She wanted to be a, a, a regular. Flesh and blood woman, not she didn't want to be worshipped. She didn't want to be worshipped. She didn't want to be <laughs> rotated about like a son. She wanted yeah. to be, but but does this reflect the the gay gaze, the perspective of a of a, a gay director? I don't know, man. I got. I'll just go fifty percent because I can't. I can't right. judge it either way. I mean, the one thing I will say, I say like, there's nothing that it does feel like. This doesn't feel, you know, like a. Uh, the Lost Boys, a Joel Schumacher. No, it doesn't movie feel like the. Like, yeah, it's not a Joel Schumacher movie. But like everyone looks great. Like everyone's like outfits are impeccable. Like everyone looks really good. So it's not like super gay in that way. That's but not I will give it unique to the time or the genre. Right, but it does look. I did I think know, Jimmy Stewart great. looked really cute when he was wet in the robe. Uh, yeah, he, he, I mean, but it's also. I mean, sort of interiors by Adrian, like everything's very clean and classic yes. and like, yes. you know, a certain caliber of sort of gay taste pervades this. There's nothing yes. funky about it. There's nothing that's, quote, in bad taste before John Waters when the gays were associated with impeccable taste, <laughs> which is what, you know, how he made his bones. But but yeah, there's a certain, you know, 
a straight man didn't design that room kind of thing to it. That's the only yeah. thing you could say is that's the gay gaze. Yeah. Tasteful, mm-hmm. always tastefulness and dignity. Very tasteful. Rich, mm-hmm. rich white people. Indeed. You know. <laughs> yeah, I will go 65. 65. Uh, I'll go 50 as well. Given an average of 55, which is 39.67 points higher than Taxi Driver, if that makes sense. Okay. All right. Our next category, the Mike Pence anxiety scale. How much anxiety do you think the Philadelphia story would give Mike Pence? Well, more than being more than being hanged. <laughs> more <laughs> than being hanged. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's made his peace with that. Well, the whole entire sort of uh, uh, linchpin of the plot has to do with whether there was extramarital sex between yes. Jimmy Stewart and Catherine mm-hmm. Hepburn on the night before a wedding and there was lascivious drunkenness and there's also blackmail and there's also um, the horrible mainstream media selling a good white family. Well, he would uh, like that probably. No, he would not like the mainstream <laughs> you don't media. Think, you don't think he would feel mean by that? You would think he, like, yes, that is what that is like. My worldview is not being challenged. Uh, he's, maybe he's disappointed that Spy Magazine is not chasing him around to watch him <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have his weekly joyless intercourse with mother. Yeah, I think the whole scandalousness of, of uh, selling a blessed marriage event with with premarital sex and debauchery would 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 make him burst a blood vessel and it's even in the good old days when there were no black people as depicted on film that's right so he would right. be he would think this was a safe space and he would be shocked he's probably not a big fan of Catherine Hepburn no or or Cary Grant or probably Jimmy Stewart because he did all those um you know man of the people socialist movies yeah in the, in the, that's true when he hears Mr. Smith goes to Washington he hides under his desk what does yeah. Mr. Smith want with me yeah Mr. Smith is he carrying a Nazi flag and an AR-15 <laughs> then yeah. I'm not interested I want to be hanged by a real American thank not you. Jimmy Stewart <laughs> but on the other hand Jimmy Stewart was a close friend of Ronald Reagan which you have to hold against him yeah and I will the next time I see Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> and Ronald Reagan. I'm going to read and them Ronald. for filth. Yeah, in a silence. Um, so would this upset Mike Pence? I think if he came into it with his defenses down because it's the good old days and it's full of rich white people, Yeah, he be, he could get blindsided by it. So I'm going to give him – because like Mike Pence is not going to go see Taxi Driver because he knows that's no. not for him. But he might go to this not not knowing – so I think in terms of throwing him a curveball, I'll give it 75%. 75. I think uh, I think all these are great points, but I'm going to go 40. 40. Because I do think it still feels very sort of chase. And it is still in that period where it was like, oh, it's a remarriage movie. It, you know what I mean? Like there's so much they're safe about it. There's so much like production A lot of code. innuendo, a lot of just like yeah. raised eyebrows. Yeah. Mm-hmm, exactly. The Hayes Code is in full effect here. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's That was it, the Hayes Code. I'll give it a, yeah, I think he's going to be okay. I'll give it a 46. Given an average of 53.67, which is six points. We'll say six points lower than Tootsie. That makes sense. All right, our next category make it might make up some points here. Hell on heels. How are we doing on feisty ladies? Uh, well, it's mostly. Except, it's, yeah, well, it's, I mean, Catherine is the son, so she rotates it yeah. up. But I yeah. want to make, make the case for Dinah. Dinah's who great. Who is the uh, the genre archetype of the bratty sister who shows up in a bunch of nineteen um, forties movies? The um, cusp of adolescence, out of the mouths of babes, like. Um, you know, she shows up in a number of Preston Surge's movies, this type. And 
I have a bizarre connection to her aside from the name, mm-hmm. in that my mother's best friend, her mother-in-law was was the actress who played Dinah. Oh. But she died at a very young age because she oh. had a heart condition. She died at only 40. So they never met, but she was the uh, ex-mother-in-law of, of my mom's best friend. So that's, that's Kevin Bacon for you. Many wow. times. But, um, but I think Dinah is like a classic... Well, that's not hell on heels. That's hell on kitten heels. Like she's sure. <laughs> she's a, a, a junior miss, but she's uh, she gets sassy lines. She's obnoxious. She sings Lydia the Tattooed Lady. Yeah. So you know, I'm going to give this movie a hundred percent because hundred because Catherine Hepburn is the most A plus yeah. plus, and then you got Dinah on top of it. There you go, hundred. Yeah, I will give it a ninety four. Ninety four. Yeah, I'll give it a I'll give it a ninety. Like I wish she took a little more agency at the very end where But she's hung over, Mark. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hell on, a feisty lady can't be hung over. Yeah, you, you transition from feisty to just crazy bitch if you're hung over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't? Hey, but hey, got an average of ninety-four point sixty seven, which is nine point sixty seven points higher than Tootsie. And that had Tootsie. Yeah, Tootsie. Who gives a shit? <laughs> we love Tootsie. How dare you, Dinah? She's You've great. Come on, Dinah. No, thanks. Big glasses. <laughs> what ifs? Iconic. <laughs> <laughs> Tootsie hater. Tootsie take a roll. Um, <sighs> that doesn't mean anything. Uh, our next category, drag queen inspiration. Could a drag queen watch the Philadelphia story and come away with a whole book of ideas? Well, it goes back to our early discussion. Is Catherine Hepburn a drag icon or a possible drag icon? Furthermore, I'm going to make the case for Dida, the younger sister, also becoming a drag uh, inspiration. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, there actually have been a number of, I think there have been a number of both sort of weird, weirder drag queens who would do the little girl stuff, the like Shirley temple stuff. Yeah, yeah, So I could yeah. see that happening. Those are just, I mean, then you're like, are you appealing to adult babies, a diaper fetish, whatever. <laughs> this is not, this is outside our remit. But I think... <laughs> I would like to see more Catherine, but it's a it's a tricky one because she is such a a, a masculine tinted star. So, hmm. but she has such like distinct say, uh, physicality, you know what I mean, and stuff. I think yeah. you could do. I think. Yeah, and anyways, she, I think it's good that it hasn't. It's not Judy Garland. It hasn't been done to death. You know? Well, it, you know, it's leading with your jaw and that kind of clenched teeth voice, which I've seen. I mean, a lot of female comedians uh, sort of for a while were doing that voice. And, of course, my personal favorite movie, which will never be nominated for or was never nominated for anything, The Hunsucker Proxy, you have Jennifer Jason Lee doing a very bad Catherine Hepburn impression for the entire movie. Um, so I would like there to be more drag influence, but I don't think we're there yet. So I'm only going to give it like a 75. 75. I also think Ruth Hussey, who we haven't talked about a lot, but like her hats, especially at the beginning of this movie, were fantastic and the mother's hats also mother yeah, had very had wild hats a lot of good hats and then Catherine hepburn did have that like gossamer blouse it was all i could think of to call it it was like this almost see-through beautiful sort of like the long looks, white looked like it was made out of, yeah, yeah. Looked that looked like very like, like princess leia to me like made out of clouds or something and, and there was a big straw hat at the end which is very yeah. gainsborough painting yeah. kind of thing <laughs> yeah you see a little bit of that in like serial mom like that sure. that um mm-hmm. And I think there's some sort of 70s movies where they bring back that kind of flowy lawn dress with a big straw hat, which could be in drag more often as well. So there's just a lot of untapped uh, reserves here, I think. 
Yeah, I think I will go. I'll go 77. 77. Uh, I'm going to continue this pattern. Go 79. Given an average of 77. All right. Finally, the last of the canon categories. Diana, on a scale of 0 to 100, how likely are you to recommend the Philadelphia story to a gay person? Well, that would require a gay person to want to talk to me. <laughs> you got take- two right now talking to you. Yeah, but you've already seen it. I can't recommend it to you. <laughs> sure. Um, and also, I, I tend to... Well, they don't have to take my recommendation, but I can still recommend it to them. That's uh, true. It's not. We don't count if it sticks or not. So I can just like right, right. stand outside a pride parade and just scream this at people, and hopefully just one it. of them will like take it in. <laughs> so would, would I be likely to do this? Yeah, I'd say 90, 90 out of a hundred, I would recommend it to them. If I knew they liked older movies, I'd definitely say you got to get this in the in the in your uh, in your reserves. You got to know this movie. Yeah. So yeah, ninety percent. Get the references. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's a great movie. I think I. It's get the references. It feels gay. Referencing the Philadelphia story lately, John. <laughs> Do you hear that a lot? To say, oh, it's Yar. What does that it's mean? Real oh, it's Tracy, a Philadelphia you know story. What I, mean? <laughs> I mean, if you have a callback for High Society, maybe you should watch it. Sure. But no one's doing High Society, so really, yeah. I mean, I think it's a great movie. I think it's a wonderful like example of like a classic old sort of like romantic slash screwball comedy. But there's nothing about it where like as a gay person you need to see this you know so i will go i'll go 75 75 um yeah it is i think like everyone should see it but like if i had to suggest like the biggest thing to recommend to a gay person is the george kukor of it and then i would say like well i prefer the women actually to philadelphia story yeah if you're looking for a specific recommendation to give to a gay man who's interested in early or, or, or early 20th century film this ain't the first one you're going to recommend, but right. it's, I mean, I recommend it to plenty of straight people, but that's sure. not the question. <laughs> who cares what they watch? Well, who cares what I say? Honestly. We do. Um, I'm going to give it, I'll give it an, uh, an 80. Give it an average of 81.67, which is eight points lower than Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. <laughs> I've never seen Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Oh, that one's pretty fun. It's, oh, it's one bubbling. of the better Star Treks. However, I did watch uh, Sayonara as one of the potential movies for this, which features oh, yeah. Ricardo Montalban in Yellowface. Oh, yikes. Ooh. Yellowface <laughs> and drag. I guess the title alone should have been like a red flag. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I'm sure Hollywood at that time would treat this with respect and dignity. Yeah. Well, I'll come back for another episode and tell you all about Sayonara, but it's a piece of work. <laughs> uh, we'll put that behind many paywalls. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Now we're into the wheel categories. Spinning wheel. So these categories are all categories previous guests have brought on, and they put, we put them on this wheel. I don't know if you can see it I, right I now. It's an app on my phone. Oh, wonderful. So we're going to spin it once. Whatever category pops up, we'll use that to judge the movie. Then Mark and I will pick a category from the wheel that wasn't that didn't get used to judge the movie. Then we also have a listener wheel where listeners have submitted categories. So we'll spin that once. And then finally, Dinah, you will come up with a category which we will use to judge this movie and we will add it to the wheel. Remember that from earlier to potentially judge all future movies. Make sense? Yes, it does. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that information. Okay, here we go. I'm going to spin it once. Here we go. We need a tick, 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 tick. Fussy chefs. Fussy chefs. There's um, no chefs. In it. There, there's, there's no chefs and there's, there's no food. Butlers. There's just booze. And the thing is, that's another place where a movie like this would usually stick their um, 
gay-coded sissy characters to have an Eric Bloor come in or an Edward Everett Horton be the waiter or be the yeah, butler. That's right, yeah. and, and we didn't get any of that. <laughs> Thank you. I, I don't think he's reached the Eric Bloor stage yet or the... Uh, <laughs> We'll work up to it. But yeah. I no, was so, thinking while watching this, like, oh, like, hangovers must like they didn't have Tylenol back then. I bet like what did no, you do keep, for a they keep drinking the I know, water bottle. Awful. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have to like wear like this these awful clothes that don't breathe. Oh, what the, a hellscape. Right. Well, it, this is before rayon and synthetics, so they all were wearing natural fibers at least. I as a as a consumer of many vintage clothes who've worn them in very sweaty mm-hmm. situations, they're not, yeah. not that bad. I mean all I right. don't I run hot though, Dinah. I don't know if you know that about me. <laughs> well, you can be the shirtless waiter then. I guess. Okay, here's <laughs> your pretzel. Um, uh, uh, but no fussy. Chef. I mean, there's not like an actual chef, but there is a little bit of like we're trying to get ready for this wedding. There's so there's like a kind of that energy, energy. but there's not there's a, like a little bit. Is there a know. fussy character? Like maybe the mother is the fussiest character. Well, she's I feel she's like. annoyed more than mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. The mother is not fussy, but she's sort of flighty. And she's actually sort of irritated yeah. with, with, with good reason, since uh, Tracy made her leave her husband somehow for for his constant uh, dalliances with chorus girls. Philandering. Well, she was yeah. fussy mm-hmm. when they said, like, you keep inviting people. Mm. You know oh. what I mean? Oh, right. So well, I'm just trying to think, like, was she, like, the, you know, the, the puppet master of this entire affair? Like, she is well, preparing the meal that is a wedding. Well, C.K. Dexter Haven <clears throat> is, the, is the chef then, because he's the one who brings in the reporters and kind of sabotages the There's wedding. That too. And it's not, it's not people inviting the it's not people being invited to the wedding. It's that her ex-husband is bringing people to the wedding. Yeah. Uh, which I think you can't call her fussy for going, hey, don't let your ex-husband, who's clearly still <laughs> in love with you, send people to your wedding. I mean, that's yeah. reasonable. Yeah. I'm going to pull up my wheel to give it a, a score. You can't see my face, but I actually have a uh, okay. a full Price is Right style glittery wow. wheel behind me oh, wow. that's going to tell me my answer. So I'll spin it. Okay, uh, I'm going to give this 10%. 10. Because there's no food and no chefs. Yeah. Yeah, I'll also go 10. 10. I'll go 7. Uh, give it an average of 9. All right, now we're into John and I. Oh, host choice. I did have a pitch, John. Oh, uh, let's hear it. This is from Back to the Beach. Okay. Alex Ferdinand's oh. guest. Would Margaret Patricia <laughs> Keenly Cray like this movie? Who is his grandmother grandmother and i did message him and i said did your grandmother (laughs) like the philadelphia story and he replied oh i know for a fact that she absolutely loved it (laughs) well i say let's go with that category because how often is it the is it a slam dunk yeah Yeah. you can confirm it with um secondhand data at least yeah it's hearsay i guess but (laughs) uh, admissible admissible under oath <laughs> invisible hearsay so uh, what do you think would you think our friend alex fernie's grandmother would like this? <laughs> um i mean i can't I, I can't argue with scientific facts so i'm gonna have to say like 100 percent. yeah said I, she would i think uh, i think a lot of grandmothers would like this movie yeah i think so too i'll go yeah this seems like if i would i would um, i would imagine having fun sitting down and watching this with my grandpa my either of my grandmothers so what, what's your score, John? So I'll say 100 as well. 100. I, too, will give it 100. Okay. The, that really counteracts the fussy show. Well, well <laughs> for the record, I don't think either of my grandmothers would like this, but they were jerks. So okay. don't put that in. Because my parents are going oh, to listen to But they're subscribers. This. Okay. Well, they're, in, in the afterlife, they're subscribers. Sure, I imagine sure. in the afterlife you could get behind any paywall, I would hope, you know. You'd think. You would think. That would be one of A the lot perks. of password sharing. Yeah. 
Although, do you really want to be listening to a podcast in the heaven? Like, is this what how I'm spending my time? I mean, who knows? I, I mean, no offense to our listeners. But. Yeah. Well, I've, I've, I'm already going to hell, so I don't, I don't care about. That. Well, then it's just podcast. It's just the yeah, first 15 minutes of Mark Maron's. That's and, all you can listen to. If you go to hell, you have to make the podcast for the people in heaven to listen to. Oh no, yeah. you have to edit it. Okay, so now we're onto the listener wheel. So this is another wheel with fewer categories. Um, but equally beloved, and here we go. Hand job. Hand job. This comes from Stephanie, and they described it as how good are the manicures hand care? Well, more well moisturized hands, fresh manicure, fun manicure. Uh, they say self-care is loving yourself. Not many straight guys I know get many petties. It's the little things. There are nice hands. We don't get a lot of... Do we get hand close-ups? I don't well, think so. Well, there's a whole thing with the bracelet and the watch left in her the room. Watch. So there must have That's been true. hand close-ups about them, like, retrieving the watch. and the, I don't remember any, like, inserts. This wasn't, like, an era of, like, a lot of inserts, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, the, no. it still feels very much like a filmed play, so there weren't a lot yeah. of cutaways yeah. or... or but, it, but I imagine, like, Catherine Hepburn's hands must have been impeccable immaculate well these are these are all very rich people who don't do a lick of work so they probably have very nice hands to be (laughs) accurate to character type Mm -hmm. and when uh jimmy stewart like kind of slips the what is he like a lighter yeah into his pocket he accidentally accidentally on purpose steals a lighter that's kind of almost like you know like a bank job a heist a hand job oh sure a sleight of hand it's being a photographer a hand job because you have to like click the camera so anything That's you do right. with your hands is now a hand job. Well, we're stretching. You well, we're getting paid for it. She's getting Wait, paid for it. This was about nail care, wasn't it? Why are we making this into an innuendo? <laughs> we're just having a conversation, Dinah. <laughs> you know, I haven't had a good manicure since leaving New York. You can get them yeah, out it's here. It's hard to find a good manicure, Patty. I don't think person. that's true at all. Well, in New York, they're all over. New York. I mean, aside from the fact that we find a good one. Yeah, a cheap. Sure, a any cheap, strip mall will have one. Yeah, in Los Angeles, everyone's cheap yeah, one. the home of Hollywood. <laughs> I don't have a car, so I'm limited. My entire experience of Los Angeles is like a two-block radius, and there's no manicure on that block. So, as far as I know, there aren't any. You know, you're stuck then. Mm. Well, so what do you want to give this for hand job? Well, I can't think of any insert shots and close-ups of hands, and yet socioeconomically, I have to assume every character has very nice hands. Yeah. So. Based on that, I give it 75%. 75. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think for me, the biggest argument that I'm is is for the photographer because it is a job that uses our hands. So thank you for that one, Mark. Sure. Uh, yes, and I it's unfortunately we're assuming a lot. So I'm just gonna have to go with a 33. 33. Yeah, I'll go <laughs> 25. I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. You are. Well, you've seen more. That is your right. Yes. <laughs> so it got a 44.33. Not bad for something that doesn't really happen in the movies. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> All right. Now we're into the guest category. It's time for you to come up with a category, Tina, that we can use yes. to judge how gay the Philadelphia store in all future movies when we add it to the wheel. Oh, and I should say, if you <laughs> listeners want to submit a category, you can find a link to the Google form on the show notes. Be part of yes. history. Very good. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I still need to sort of workshop the punniness of this, but sure. I'm going to call it the the rich are the real victims. <laughs> sure. And, um, this movie, you know, made at the end of the Great Depression, has an entirely upper class cast. But one of the weird things is sort of the the mannequin they have in here that we know that uh, Tracy is not going to end up with her fiance, who we're told repeatedly is a man of the people who worked himself up from being a blue collar coal miner to being a captain of industry and wants to become a, a, a social reformer politician who stands up for righteousness. 
everyone hates this guy. They think he's crap. <laughs> so basically, and one of the lessons that Jimmy Stewart's character has to learn is to not be a snob by thinking all rich people are bad because they're actually better than this blue-collar, uh, coal-mining, social-reforming politician fiancé who is, in fact, very boring because he doesn't drink. So what the lesson of the movie is is that <laughs> rich people are great and these uh, nouveau-riche-aravistes Social reforming uh, moral men are the shit and not the shit in a good way. They are just the shit. So I would say this would apply as, as, a, as a category to any movie that makes the point that the rich really are better than us. And thinking that, that they're not is just a grave error that has to be uh, uh, rectified within the movie. And you see this to a less severe degree in more modern movies, but movies are made by rich people. They're starring millionaires. They are written by millionaires. And their opinions of poor people in almost all genres is pretty negative. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, how subtle they make it in a Nancy Myers movie <laughs> compared to a movie made in 1940 is it's you know different coding, but it's still there. So it's in terms, like Clueless would maybe do well in this. Um, like poor little rich girl kind of thing. More than that, it's just sort of you're you thinking that the rich are bad. You need to be taught a lesson because in Clueless, the the poor girl is Brittany Murphy, right? Is the yeah is the poor they one. give her the makeover. They give her the makeover, so it shows us that the rich are benevolent and they help help their lessers in small ways. But at no point does someone ever come in going, I hate rich people. And they go, you know what? You guys are actually better than everyone I know back home who are poor. This movie obviously rates the, the highest, pretty high at it, not highest. But do you think that makes it gayer? In the sense of like the rooms by Adrian, everything's glamorous. The rich people I are see. so wonderful. There's an awful <laughs> lot of rich men who worship rich people style now and then. And, and you get these people, these sort of Whit Stillman types who mm. are just like, oh, my God, you know, these rich wafts are so fascinating in their Ivy League suits. And, oh, it isn't every I mean, there's a certain amount of rich worship in a lot of Wes Anderson movies, like this whole thing that, oh, the old, old money know best, that's pervasive in a lot of movies that other would appeal to otherwise pretty lefty, both gay and gay aesthetic people. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's a certain, the same way that um, a lot of gay men are sort of really into couture fashion and, and high-end design and high, sure. you know, this the idea that, that sure. the, the rich, the thing is that the housewives have a certain amount of nouveau riche, aren't they boorish, look how crude they yes. are with their white wine. So, and that sort of reversal is like laughing is like, look at these women who think they're great in their McMansions. They certainly wouldn't have a home designed by Adrian. And and uh, the you know, real rich people. Yeah, the, you know, <laughs> the the worst thing is a, is a, a poor person who's climbed up, who's a Iraviste and a nouveau riche, and aren't they awful? Not like real old money, wonderful rich people. So I think that's part and parcel of it. Does this so, make sense? I okay. think so. Yeah. So what do you want to like? Um, boo to the bourgeois or um... <laughs> the rich are the real victims, um, and the worst thing okay. is a, a poor person affecting richness or, or trying to be as good as the naturally great rich people. Is that follow? Sure. Well, the rich are the real victims, we'll call it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, just because this isn't like, you know, an Anne Rand book, I can't give it 100. <laughs> sure. I, but I'll definitely, I'm going to give it an 85 on that category. 
85. Yeah, that sounds about right. I'll go 85 as well. 85. I would there there is like disdain for like the bourgeois guy, but I don't think you ever come away thinking like, oh, I feel bad for these actually rich people. So in that case, I'll give it a, a 60. Give it a 76.67. All right, now we're into the bonus categories. Extra, extra. So these categories, as their name implies, are bonus. So uh, if it doesn't do well in any of these categories, it doesn't work against it. But of course, it doesn't help. But we're just going to rate it from 0 to 10, and it's going to be that percentage bonus points that it gets. This is a speed round. This is, yes. <laughs> a little bit faster. We're sure. all taking speed now. Uh, I ran out. <laughs> <laughs> you hate to run it. And now you have that two block radius. Yeah, it's going to be hard to find with speed. All right, the first one on a scale of zero to 10, how would you rate Philadelphia story in musical potential? Do you think a musical could be based? Well, out since, of this? since it's been turned it into both happened. a film musical and a stage yeah. musical, I would give it a, a 10 out of 10. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, granted, I'm. Sp- you know, sort of spoiled, but like in watching it, I was like, yeah, this is where the song comes in. Like, I think even if I didn't know it was a musical, I would think, oh, this should be a musical, but I will give it a 10. 10. Do you think it's lesser because it's not a musical? I actually like this much better than the musical. So I can't, can't say it. I do like this better than high society. The movie definitely. Sure. It has musical potential. It doesn't have good musical potential. I think if like Cole Porter had written a full score, maybe just someone, you know, it just felt like lesser Cole Porter. The show, the stage musical that exists feels like lesser Cole Porter. I too will give it a 10 because it's essentially one location. Well, right? it was a play, so. It was a play. There you go. Play first. Play first. Musical later. Uh, hey, got a 10. All right. Our next category. Yas Queen. Are there any many moments where you say Yas Queen? Well, I don't say Yas Queen. You don't? <laughs> Sorry. But, you know, spiritually. Yeah, little, you feel it, though. It's a little over, my friends. Um, <laughs> where where do, I feel, do I feel vindicated? Um, kind of the opposite, because a lot of this movie is just people, like, beating her down and making her, uh, you know. Like, take, I think the daughter, though. The very opening, think, when she kicks him out of the house, is kind of a, feels like a, all right, I like sure. seeing a woman kick a man out of the house and breaking his golf clubs. Sure. But then she gets pushed in the face. Well, that's her big entrance, our yeah. introduction is character. Right. But yeah, so her breaking the golf clubs, yeah. I, let's let's give that a five because the whole thing is a, is a turnabout where she starts out as a yes queen and becomes a no queen. Yeah, she gets humbled. <laughs> that's the journey. I think the daughter, though, is very precocious and has sort of like a yes queen energy about her as well. So, But I'll also go five. I, too, will give it a five. Giving it a five. Tying it with Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. All right, our next one, Messy Divas. How are we doing on Messy Divas? I well, would say Tracy is a messy diva. I would say that C.K. Sure. Dexterhaven is a, is a sure. messy bitch who loves drama. <laughs> all this, yeah, he's a real uh, Giselle he, to all my Real Housewives of Potomac fans. Stirring up he, the drama? That's just me, I guess. I mean, he's he's setting this in motion, brings in the reporters. He's, I mean, bringing people together. Call, he's the one who wants to blackmail. I mean, like... This is full of messy bitches who love drama who are played by Cary Grant. Mm. So, I mean, I'm going to give it a nine out of ten. A nine. Uh, I'll give it a six. Six? Why so low, John? I just feel like it doesn't have, like, I want, like, the, I wish we had, like, the the Cary Grant, like, really, like, I I hated all of you. Just wanted, like, more of, like, a big, I'll go seven. Oh, like the sister in um, Fox and His Friends. Exactly. Yeah. You, you don't want a whimsical uh, muckraker. You want an angry <laughs> actual. I want the real mess. I want dirt in my mess. I see. You want maybe like dance with the dark style. 
Yes, harrowing. That movie's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Very <laughs> funny. Uh, I'll give it an eight. Give it an average of eight. All right, this next one might be tough. Macabre. How macabre is the Philadelphia story? Oof. Um, it's the only thing I said is like blackmailing a bride via a disparaging story on her father feels like kind of fucked up. But I wouldn't say that's spooky. Well, I was going to say, this is where I bring up the old, the old Ruth Hussey is that she's in black. She looks like she's about to cry in every scene. She's resigned to this horrible marriage with a man who doesn't love her. She probably sleeps in a closet, her choice. Right. (laughs) I mean, she deserves it. She was in a different movie for at least half of the scenes. (laughs) But is that macabre? Mm -hmm. I mean, like, she wasn't like full Wednesday Adams, but she definitely seemed to be no. a little sad. But yeah, overall, this is a pretty yeah. bright, bright and shiny romantic comedy, so I can't give it more than a two. Two. I'll give it a one. I'm going to go zero. I think this is anti-macabre. <laughs> Giving it a one. Finally, the last category in the bonus uh, category is gay actors playing gay roles. How about a gay director directing gay roles? <laughs> That's true. That's He's the playing the gay thing. role of a direct. Is being a director a gay, gay role? Is that well, a gay like role? A Li- living your life, are you playing a role? Are you doing a job? Are, are you all? playing a role? I mean, aren't we all in drag? I did look up Roland Young, who plays Uncle Willie. Okay. He doesn't appear to be. He was married a few times. But he did star in a series of movies where he played a character named Topper. I, I have okay. seen many Topper movies. It's uh, It also starred, the movie version had Cary Grant. But the uh, it was an early TV show as well. It was about a man who could yeah. talk to two ghosts. And the mo- the TV version, this is very early TV, like Dumont Network. It was Stephen Sondheim's first writing job, was writing episodes yep. of Topper. Oh. I, yeah, I did, a, I did a, um, a web series about a man haunted by his dead wife. So I ended up seeing a lot of Topper <laughs> and know a lot of Topper <laughs> trivia. But uh, yes, so he was, in, he was in Topper. That's good for him. I also that- looked up Mr. Kid, who was played by Henry yeah. Daniel. Daniel. Uh, Danny. He's not either. He w- well, he was, but he was involved with a sex scandal with his wife, which was exposed by PJ Woodhouse. <laughs> Apparently, they <laughs> like to watch orgies through peepholes. Was their thing? Huh? Why? I mean, why wouldn't you want it Vista Vision? You could see the whole thing if you weren't on the other side of a <laughs> yeah. peephole. Well, I, I'm going to stretch it to include the director, so I'll give it a two. Two. I'll give it a one. One. I'll give it a three for George Kukor, given an average of two. Okay. All right, now we're into the iconic categories. Okay, so these categories are bigger, broader, more umbrella categories. So it's zero to 300. Holy moly. I know. All right, the first one, homoeroticism. How homoerotic is the Philadelphia story? One of you guys go first, because I'm not getting any kind I mean, of erotic out of this. No, I don't think... No, like, I mean, it's not erotic at all. There is, like, Jimmy Stewart showing up drunk at Cary Grant's, like, bedroom. Well, but it's not... That's more, like, funny, and it doesn't feel like any... There's no uh, chemistry yeah. there. It's, it's, the old, no, it's the only ad-lib in the whole movie, apparently. Yeah. Is, There's no sense of, like, either one of them will be like, well, we're both here. Yeah, that happened af- after the camera turned <laughs> off, and they're like, well, you want to go fuck later? Yeah, okay. <laughs> they were just cash. But I also I don't I don't seek out eroticism of any kind in, in a, a movie made eighty years ago. Right. So true. So I'll give it this zero. <laughs> zero. I'll give it a one for them showing up at his place. Um, I'll give it a two. <laughs> give it an average of one. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Which is one hundred fifty four point sixty seven points lower than Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. 
All I had right. no idea this had so much in common with Star Trek II, The Wrath of God. <laughs> well, we're only four movies into our new scoring system, so I there's see, only okay. so many rep movies I can compare <laughs> so to, go back at to at a glance. All right, uh, next one. Queer 101. How much of this would you say is an essential queer text? Well, maybe the George Cukor of it all, but... And, and just yeah. general old Hollywood, because you meet yeah. um, sort of Zoomers who've like never seen a black and white movie. So I think in terms mm. of having a concept of what old Hollywood was and what it represented is sort of part of Career 101, wouldn't you say? I think so. I think so, yeah. So, but, it, but I, or on a scale of 300, I'm, I'm, I can't give it more than like 50 points 50. out of 300. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you got, I mean, like you have James Stewart, Catherine Hepburn, Cary Grant, and George Cooker, but there's no... But they've all done. There's more things you would say yeah. ahead of this, even though like James Stewart did win the Academy Award. So yeah, I'll go 35. 35. I'll go 42. Give an average of 42.33. All right. Finally, the last of the iconic categories, Camp Factor. How campy is the Philadelphia story? It's tough because it, it is so rigidly old Hollywood tasteful. Yeah, that you don't get like mm-hmm. the camp buzz you get out of of you know, even high society is more campy than this just because of when it was yeah. made, right? And, and sort of the weird, uh, being Crosbyness of it. I feel so like more a, straightforward screwball comedies are even more campier. Yeah, this is sort of mm-hmm. too human to be camp. Yeah, um, and and all of the actors have been in much campier movies, but it's old. And she wears a lot of gossamer dresses. And there's also the singing of uh, Lydia, the tattooed lady, which that's true. Is, sure. is pretty. I mean, it's a camp standard, but you could also watch it in uh, uh, the Marsh Brothers movie at the circus a year earlier. But I do enjoy it. If you're a completionist. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's a skippable one, but you'll hear them do the song in other movies. So I think just for Lydia, the tattooed lady, I'm going to give it 50 points out of 50. 300. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's some like I think like some of the hats and some of that. So I'll go sixty. <laughs> We're reaching now. <laughs> All right, I got a quick list of campy things I noticed. Here we go: the credits, gowns by Adrian, the social world awaiting a wedding, hating a gift, being excited at the prospect of your sister getting socked, a perfume named Complete Surrender, making a threatening phone call from a bridal suite, little girls singing filthy songs, pithy banter, bickering in a pool house, blaming your daughter for your infidelity changing the subject by pointing out the geraniums having a wry attitude towards blackmail snooping little sisters miss pomeroy 1926 shenanigans at the eve of a, at the eve of a wedding offering to marry someone just to not upset the wedding guests and finally a little girl declaring i did it i did it all i'll give it a 75 Oof. giving it a 61.67 all right now we're into the crown jewels so these categories we don't rate, we just say yes or no. We just or it gets it. Sure. All right. The first one, a 50% bonus of all the points for a positive portrayal of homosexuality. Nope. No. There's no portrayal of it. Well, you could say George Kukor as the director, like the movie is his portrayal of his art. It, through the lens of a heterosexual <laughs> coupling. Sure. No, I got I still say no. All right. So it does not get it. Sorry, George. I did my best. All right. Finally, the last of the crown jewels, last category, negative 50% of all the points. If this is the movie Stonewall. It is not the movie Stonewall. 
No, so it will not be. It will not lose fifty percent of its points. All right, that's it. We're done. Okay, Dinah, we've been through it all. So, do you still think it is uh, less than half, or even and in the bottom I, I third? I still say. I mean, you've told me there's only a few movies still at this point, <laughs> but even within the few movies you've done, I'm saying less than half, bottom third. All right. Okay. I will tell you exactly how it did. Out of a total possible two thousand two hundred four point forty five points. The Philadelphia story has scored 990.78, giving a percentage of 44.94, making it the 140th gayest movie ever. Not as gay as Windows, but gayer than Tourist Trap. Okay. I don't know what those are because I don't watch movies made after 1998. Both of those were made before. Both of them were before. Well, before 1990. So where's your integrity now? (laughs) Well, they didn't get shown at film form on a Tuesday. A Windows might kind have. of surprising I, for both of yeah. them. Actually, they could have. Um, and actually, Windows is like very gay. Now that you know that was a, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. the older scoring system when that's been a mm. right. for that. It was sort of the lesbian uh, cruising Windows. Yeah. Yes. I'll make a note. I'll pick a point to watch Please. in the near future. <laughs> I didn't get to point out that they used the word pickaninnies in this. It never came up in any of the categories. Did it's on the way. Yeah. The, 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 <laughs> how many racial slurs? Up. Only uh, makes it gayer. Yeah, there well, <laughs> makes it camp, maybe. Uh, that's true. Well, Dinah, what a treat! It's such a delight for a movie to talk about, and uh, a delightful guest. Is there anything you'd like to plug, promote, or shill for at this time? Well, thank you very much for having me on. I hope I didn't disappoint. Not at all. Not at all. And uh, apologize for the technical difficulties. What I would like to promote. Well, you can. Uh, my cross media name and trade is Nobody Sweetheart with no break between the words. I sell stickers on Etsy. I design. I put drawings on Instagram, and I am always available for hire, either for writing or for art. Please give me a job. Thank you. <laughs> Perfect. So nobodysweetheart.com. Yes, definitely check out Dinah stuff is great. I've hired her many times and I'm always delighted with the results. And I'm very okay. pleased to have someone to talk to. <laughs> yeah, maybe just hit that website, strike up a conversation, send an email, right? talk about Lord Love a Duck. It's streaming now. It's streaming now, finally, after years of waiting. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Two Old Queens, TWO Old Queens, and follow me on Letterboxd where I maintain the current movie rankings. Yeah, so you can email us at two old queens, T-W-O, old queens at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought. Uh, if you have any, did we get anything wrong? Is it Cooker, Sukor? Uh, do you know the name of that Scottish film? Let us know. We love hearing from you. Uh, we got merch. You go to tpublic.com slash two old queens. Uh, get some fun <laughs> t-shirts. Get a toe. This is each shit funny girl on it. Uh, and a portion of the proceeds goes to the Okra Project. So you're not just helping us. You're helping others. Yes, and we also have a Patreon, Two Queens is the Retirement Plan. For just $5 a month, you get uh, twice the queenage, as we like to say. And for $7 a month, you get uh, 66% up. more queenage, I would Six- say, maybe. <laughs> so that must, I don't know if that's the correct math, but maybe. We'll figure it out. Know. I had to take a swing. Yeah, we're all, this. we're paying for this whole thing. You're helping out the show. We don't have Thank any you. sponsorship. <laughs> this is all us. Um, so We're saving you from all the ads. Yes, and that's how you could hear the uh, Tootsie episode, the controversial Tootsie episode. <laughs> so there you go. Divisive. Divisive. Uh, but thank you so much for listening, everybody. Stay safe. Goodbye. Goodbye. Now it's time for credits. We got music by Danny Cohen. Artwork by Conrad Shin. And special thanks to Alex Archer and Mike Rennie. Bye. We didn't get that right. 
Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.